Today on Inside the Ropes, a great day to celebrate another Australian success on American soil, a fascinating chat with Wayne Persky, and you're going to have to hear these numbers of the rainfall at Nambucca Heads to believe it. Let's go. You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's must-listen-to golf show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe now through your favourite podcast app. G'day everybody, welcome to the show. It is Inside the Ropes episode number, oh, is it 205 or 206? I left my book uh, down the beach. 205, thank you, Hazy. <laughs> Lovely to have you alongside. Uh, great to have you with us, Mark Hayes. Ali Whittaker, hello. I'm going to say hello to you first, Al. It's always a joy. What a lovely joy it is to see your booming face. <laughs> Not him so much. You've been up since about five o'clock this morning. You're a little bit grizzled. We're recording this early in the week because of uh, unforeseen circumstances. Unforeseen? Well, I couldn't do Wednesday. <laughs> uh, and Tuesday and Thursday are out of the picture. We have to, we have to do something about this. It's a uh, good Monday morning, even though your phone's been ringing off the hook since <laughs> since about five o'clock. Yeah, um, that's just the way it is. And look, it's a good problem to have. When, uh, when the troops are winning overseas, mm. my phone, uh, you know, Cranks up a little bit, and right now it's buzzing somewhere between white and red. Right. It's just—it's uh, amazingly hot. But uh, this is a good thing, and we're, we're celebrating. And there's no point beating around the bush. Mark Leishman and Cam Smith um, victorious on the on the PGA Tour, and that's got to be a good thing. Let's have a chat about it. Uh, Wayne Persky and the GM of Nambucca Heads Island Golf Club are going to join us on the way through. Spinning it, they're amazing stories. Yeah, they are. They're both really good golf stories, I reckon. Uh, this is becoming. This becoming a, a great event for Cameron Smith. Everybody in yeah. the world's going to be wanting to line up and play with this bloke. Oh, he's perfect. He's perfect for this event. Mm. He's super chilled. He's got a game that doesn't have too many red flags. Like, he is such an easy choice for anyone to play with. And no surprise, obviously, playing with one of his best mates, who's almost like a brother to him, Mark Leishman. Uh, yeah, you might want themselves. To have a, you may want to have a word to me about his intro music. You know, like... <laughs> The mullet song or whatever it is. Oh. I know it's right up your alley. Oh, yeah. Don't, so you don't, don't like Chris and... you don't like Chris Verne and what's going on at Augusta. A bit of a rap version, but when there's a song about mullets, you're all over it. That is a great song, Andy. It's just all fun and you know, it's oh, listenable. So you're pro fun now. Yeah, oh. I'm pro I'm pro fun. I'm pro talent. That's that's what I'm pro. I'm pro talent. So, so I wasn't watching I I was coming up from the beach this morning when this was all taking place. What happened to the South Africans? So they, they win it with a par on a par five on the playoff yeah. hole. What happened to the what happened to Usti and, and Schwartzel? Louis. Louis just he he blew Louis. it right he blew with his tee shot. Louis, yeah, he blew it. Well done. Uh but he just it was a, it was kind of odd because the way that it all went through, like, you know, they were talking about the fact that the playoff holes were going to be 18, 18, 9, 9, and they were going to switch between foursomes and four balls for each of the playoff okay, holes. Right, yep. And so I'm kind of thankful that that, that, would have been, that would have been a thing, I think, if oh, they had yeah. to switch formats between the holes mm. to me when you've been playing foursomes all day. Mm. Uh, yeah, it just seems, it seems a bit odd. But Louis got up there and they just, I don't know, he seemed confused on the tee. He goes, but it is sudden, it's sudden death, right? Like. They're talking about all this alternation, and I, I get that they, the officials had to be clear about it, but he just seemed off it and just blew his tee shot straight into the water. It, he he blocked it mm. and it faded. Right, it was terrible. Yeah. It was way into the water. Charles yeah, right. teed. Right, yeah. like there was no spot for him to drop. That's right. how that's how far, how far right, right it was. But yeah, I think okay. what happened here is actually as a result. I agree with you, Ellie, um, of Cam Smith's win with Jonas Blix now four years ago because it went to the fourth playoff hole. Mm. They had to come back that. That Monday morning. That's right, yeah, yeah. So they needed to get it done and knowing that foursomes is going to provide a quicker result as a oh, rule yeah. than four ball. Um, so 
that was the way. And it probably did catch Louis out, but it was such a shock to see one of the great ball strikers just blow something so far right. Mm. It was crazy. And that what it ended up doing was allow the Australian team really to play conservatively, like pick paths up the par five. Two part, even though Leishman's first part was a Barry Crocker, um, <laughs> Smith still managed to make a six-footer up the hill for for a par. And they were going to have a double bogey if, at yeah, best. Yeah, it might have even yeah. been an eight. But um, it was a bit of a foregone conclusion, to be honest. The playoff hole, which is very, very rare. I thought they were actually deserving winners, to be mm. honest. Yep. No world ranking points attached. Has that been changed since five years, six or – I don't think there are. So the only reason I'm asking that is because as a, as a stepping off point for that, um, they're well, – Let's try and find that out, Andy. Yeah, well, okay. Well, right when on. you guys okay. are next talking, I'll, I'll, I'll punch that in or Ali might do it now. Um, what a – this is – Cam Smith's third win, Mark Leishman's sixth win. Mm. Fantastic. Mm. Six six wins on the PGA Tour. It is great, yep. Uh, Smith now up to number three on the FedEx Cup point yep. standing. Yep, Is he really? Yeah. Wow. And Leish up to 29. So the yep. two in the, you know, the right now, the final slots for the Tour Championship. Uh, but three is a really solid place. Like, it's hard oh, to yeah. stuff that up from there, to be yep. honest. Yep. Um, so, I, as Ali says, like, he's just – thereabouts all the time now. His game is just next level. Like we, we're coming off a, uh, what was it, a T10 at Augusta, which people just swept under the car. But that's a, you know, historic <laughs> achievement for most people. Um, you know, the course record and the big finish then at, at uh, the Heritage. Yeah, another top 10. Yeah, he's just now. found his little groove. Um, and, and again, as Ellie says, the the fun, the joy they have with the mullets and the song. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The car- they're just great mates. It's so refreshing to see, and he's playing so relaxed. Um, it, it, it honestly went for uh, we're probably 64, 65 holes of this tournament before they even vaguely hit the stress button. And it was a couple of – it was some manic shots, Annie. You obviously haven't seen them, but Mark Leishman chipped in after Cam Smith drove his ball on the short par four into the water. Right. So Leishman uh, took penalty relief, hitting three, and, and knocked, knocked it in. It was close to the flag, uh, yeah. but still he's knocked in a chip from the rough and, and you know, it's just brought the house down. And the way they celebrated was epic. And Leishman even left his ball in the in the cup because in the celebrations. <laughs> and, and I think Ustay's net to go oh, and yeah, pick yeah. it out of the cup. So there was a big flip at 15 or 16, wasn't it? The Australians bogey, they birdied, and it was a two-shot swing. At one, so the South Africans had their nose in front with a couple of holes to play. Yeah, I want to say at least the last five or six holes had opportunities for two-shot swings every right, single okay. time, yeah. which that was the cool thing, was that it, it felt like the whole tournament could be blown or won for the last hour, hour and a half of yeah, coverage. Awesome. It was great. It's great. It's and they, great. they were forced to take a penalty relief away from a tree back a couple of holes before that as well. Mm. And there was there was so much going on in the last hour. It was just brilliant. Oh, it was so much fun watching team golf. It really yeah. bugs me that we don't see more of it. Uh, the other, well, there was another Australian pair that made the weekend. Uh, I don't know whether you, do you go right down to the Camp Percy oh. And, and Greg Chalmers finished tied 33. I reckon they might have had a bit of fun. Once they <laughs> knew they were playing on Saturday and Sunday and there was going to be a check coming their way, I reckon they might have had they might have had a bit of fun, those two boys alongside one another. I don't reckon that Cam Percy would stress about too much. Either. No, I don't think so. It's just such a welcome relief, events like this. When you're mm. playing week in, week out on tour as an individual and then you get to have a mate there or a partner there, and have the dynamic change. It is. It's so welcome. And hundred percent again, Ellie. I'm just, I'm just 
agreement thing is with you is really what? disturbing. What's going on here? Um, the two Aussie boys, one with an Aussie caddy and the other one with a Kiwi caddy, Sam Pinfold. Um, Did they, you say it like that because he's a Kiwi? Pinfold. Pen, was, you said Penfold. It's Penfold, but uh, you said Pinfold. No, you said Pinfold. Is it Pinfold? Yeah, yeah. I always thought it was Penfold. I grew up playing golf with Sam. He was Did on you? the yeah. He was on the national team for Did New you think Zealand. You called him Penfold for all those years. Pretty sure no I have. No wonder he never. never <laughs> I just thought it was his accent. No wonder he never writes back. Oh, and he's such a lovely guy as well. <laughs> he is he's a ripping bloke. He is. Um, but the the four of them together, and they obviously had good connection with the South Africans too, from the yeah, President's Cup yeah. perspective. But they spoke afterwards, Andy, not only about the Olympics, which was really cool, um, but Anzac Day. Mm. So there's the the four of them out doing their Anzac stuff, and 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 uh, Cam Smith talked about you know all the stuff that happened with his family back doing the the dawn service stuff on uh, on Sunday up in up in Queensland, and mm. it actually really meant something to them. And then Leash said, "I've won the last two victories I've had. One's been on Australia Day, and one's been on Anzac oh, Day. Oh, that's awesome! So he's pretty keen on some. I don't know. Maybe you can get a tournament organised on Grand Final Day or Melbourne <laughs> yeah. Cup Day it or just, something. It just shows that they get it as well, though, don't they? Yeah, they've got true. both yeah. of them have very healthy doses of perspective. And and I have to say, like you, you look at them because they're mates with each other, and you go, oh, you know, they seem like really good guys, but." But they see past their own existence, even at the mm. biggest events. So, like, I did my first Open at Royal Portrush, was walking around and saw Leash and Cam, I'm pretty sure they were out together. Both of them yelled out to me, yeah. "Come, you know, come walk with us for a little while, like, and, and just went out awesome. of their way to make me feel comfortable That's as great. well. That's great. And I could ask them anything and just incredibly, um, just good blokes. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So you mentioned the Olympics. Are they both committed? Yeah, so one of the things they said in in the uh, aftermath, Leash actually said it in the in the lead up to because Adam Scott pulled out last week and withdrew from Olympic um, selection contention, I suppose is the way to put it. Um, and Leash popped his hand up and said, "Yes, I'm desperate to go." And they asked him again afterwards here, and and they really talked it up, like they massively oh, talked great. it up. Um, yep. So I, you know, that was really encouraging. Um, yeah, they both. Leishman in particular was, you know, just saying, I, you know, I missed out last time with virus-related things, yeah, Zika yeah, yeah, and yeah, his yeah. family and all that sort of stuff. Things there were bigger priorities in his life. Um, Cam Smith said he set a goal for himself last time and was disappointed that he didn't make it. Um, so you, you can really sense the burn that they've got for it, which is yeah. great. And they always talk about pulling on the green and gold and playing in a team and the, and the buzz that it gives them to play for someone else other than themselves. So yeah. that's a really encouraging sign. So it's about the Australian women in a minute. Just, just Brooke Henderson wins her tenth tournament on the LPGA Tour. This is becoming a very substantial and very significant career for the Canadian now. It is, and she she actually, it, I think it's the longest drought she's ever had. She hadn't won since I think it was August of 2019. She'd won every single season and You're then right. played very very limited golf last year. Like I think she went seven months without teeing it up. And just wanted to be at home. And this is a girl. So Brooke usually plays, I don't know, in excess of 28, 30 events. She's played 32 and 33 events in, in, in a year before, which is the top end. Like we always talk about how much Brooke loves to play. But she always says, if if I'm not playing tournament golf, then I'm playing golf at home. And this was off the back of a really difficult kind of emotional year. She'd lost a couple of family members uh, in in 2019. And I think she just had one of those moments where she went, oh, I can actually look at other parts of my life mm. and and prioritise that. Not that she ever needed to change her priorities. Um, she's a lovely, delightful human uh, and really grounded. But, yeah, I, I think 
she is one of those people that is just she's just going to keep winning. Mm. Like mm. she is going to win every year. Like yeah. I can't I can't see otherwise. Is um, there is there one around the corner for Hannah Green? Is she getting is is her yeah. form sharpening to the point now where it wins? You never you never assume anything because they're hard to win golf tournaments. But she's going to keep putting herself close, isn't she? Oh, she's waiting for it. Yeah, she's actually. She is waiting to win at the mm. moment because she's really positive about where her game's at. Um, I know that, you know, amongst her team, everything that they've been working on, it's just got ticks across the board, really. She said after a couple of her rounds here, Andy, that they've been working on distance and now she's she's gained, was it 20 metres, Ellie, something in that range? Yeah, they've been doing that for about 18 months as well, like yeah. really honing in on it. Yeah, with Richie, think... Smith, Richie Smith. Her coat, Sam, got there. Sam Pinfold. It wasn't Sam Pinfold. Sim, Sim. Sim, Pinfold. Sim Pinfold. Sorry, Sam. Um, but Good she, she's hitting short irons in where she was hitting mid irons in mm. last time she was on these courses, and she said it makes a big difference. So it's hard when she was competitive previously to not imagine that being a good recipe for her going mm. forward. Um, I just mentioned with Brooke, I, I was really chuffed to see uh, Mackenzie Hughes and Corey Connors on uh, social media really give the love from not only themselves but from the country yeah. to – their fellow Canadian, and, and um, you know, it was I don't think fantastic for them to recognise that she's the she's the the queen. Yeah, right. You she know, is. they're just they're just comers. Yeah, they're, you know, they're chasing her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. she yeah. is huge. She's the yeah. boss of Canadian golf. That's she, awesome. Well, she is. She's actually yeah. really well known in Canada. Yeah, like across, yeah, yeah, like yeah. outside of golf, she's well known. They, she's on a pedestal. Yeah, and she's she is the most winning male uh, golfer, male or female, um, from Canada ever, and that is. Like it, it's going to keep going. I think and she changed her golf ball to a number 10. Did she? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. And so I'm like, chuck on an 11 now. Yeah, <laughs> chuck yeah, on 11. Yeah, yeah, keep yeah. going, book. Keep yeah. going. That's going to be an expensive trip for the uh, the ball printers. <laughs> wow. I think they'll like it. Yeah, so like so it. Okay. Uh, Hannah Green, T3. Gabby Ruffles, T17. Is she where you, about where you thought she'd be, either of you two? Or is she ahead of – is she is she getting there quicker than – than you thought she would. She's ahead of where I thought she would be. She's only been playing golf for six years. Um, she stayed in a university dorm room this week playing the LA Open. So uh, <laughs> that's unusual. I would have thought. I Andy. like everything about it though. It's uh, good. Oh, it's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. And you know, but she's not even out. You know, in inverted commas, on tour yet. Mm. You know, she's still studying. Um, Wilshire's a golf course that she would have known though. Yep, so USC yeah. and UCLA mm. are right by there. And um, and that's the one thing that actually turned me off those schools. Ironically, they have some of the best uh, pathways into pro golf now. It's, it's kind of evolved that the, you know, the way that they train their athletes uh, at both schools is actually really advantageous because they don't have their own golf course. So I went to Duke, which was an incredible complex. We had our own course. We had our own practice, That's... our own range, our own building. And your own course on, on campus. Yeah. I mean, everyone else could use it and yeah. it, there was a hotel attached, but we had access yeah. to it almost anytime we wanted. And I just decided to go there mainly because of that, but also the academics, whereas UCLA and USC both go and they change golf courses every single time they play. Right. So they are constantly adapting. They've got no, you know, they've got a range. UCLA has a 150 metre range that's also a soccer field right in the middle of their campus. But it's, you know, you can only hit, I think you can only yeah. hit up to about a five iron or something on it. But um, it's just to stay loose essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I do actually think there's something to it. And I, and I see it time and time again when these girls come out of those schools. They've got so many tour players out of those schools now playing in the LPGA, like 15 between the two of them. 
I think she'd be pretty popular in the cafeteria at USC this weekend. You're rolling in with a check for 17 large. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the thing about the thing that struck me about it was when you saw, you know, another top 20 finish, I, it didn't feel particularly remarkable. I was like, oh, well, she, there's, you're sort of in no time at all in a very deep and competitive sport – I'm so, you're sort of half expecting her to have these finishes now. She's making a bit of a – she's created a bit of a reputation for herself as being in, able to get in the, in the kind of mix. Oh, yeah. She's got, she's got the it factor, mm. in my opinion. Um, I think even – maybe even more so than Ryan. And it's kind of un, – it's unfair to compare the two yeah, because they're on such yeah. different journeys as well. Like Gabby went through college, whereas Ryan, you know, kind of – well, he's been based in Florida for quite a while now. Mm. Uh, but she's actually got Kylie Pratt on her back at the moment and in her corner. And so um, she, obviously, her sister was a pretty handy yep. tennis player, yep. but yep. Kylie played on tour as well. And she's she's kind of a manager slash, slash caddy. And so she's there kind of helping her accept all of the experience at the same time, uh, which I think is really healthy. And, and, and Kylie's helped a lot of our Aussies out, just even just checking in on them. Mm. Um, when she's been on other people's bags as well throughout Good. the years. Right. We love that stuff. Yeah. Um, Minji, Lee, Suo, Sarah Kemp all made the cut. Um, speaking and of- Catherine Kirk. I miss Kirk again, did I? I mean, I did that last week. There you go. Apologies, <laughs> Catherine. Um, speaking of um, the brother, uh, did he tee it up this week at the Corn Ferry? I'm sure he did. He might have. Brett Druitt had a terrific finish over there. He was right in the mix come the last round. Just didn't quite get it done um, that final round, but- T3, 20 under, um, that'll be – I haven't checked the Corn Ferry money list for a while, but uh, – he, He's – I'll check that Because it's a follow-up. That, that's the two seasons rolled in one, isn't it? They carried over the money list from last year, and so it's been a while since I've had a look at it. But, I'll check that out now. I, I um, Just reiterating, we always seem to say this, but you mentioned Druitt. 65, 67, 64, 68. Yeah, 20 under. I mean, it's – yeah. it, And you just think – that's got to be good for the winning score. <laughs> T3. Jamie Arnold, 68, 66, 65, 69. Tied 20th. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, it is so it's got, unbelievable. So while you're checking out the money list, the guy, there's a, there's a another uh, lesson for perseverance out of this one. I don't know. Tyson Alexander, could he could walk in the room right now. I wouldn't know who he is. He could, but he wins the event. It's his 12th year as a pro. Yeah. It's his first win. So, you know – you think about how many times he. I'm going to assume there must have been times he would he would have thought, unless he's got a healthy you know financial background where he doesn't need to worry about getting a real job. Mm-hmm. But 12 years as a pro without a win on this secondary tour, as every year goes by, you're seeing more young kids coming through, hitting it further than you presumably, and have got more of a modern game. So the the game, you know, the changes that happened in the 12 years that he's been searching for win one, that tests your resolve, I reckon, Ali. And what a, what a without knowing him at all, what a, what a moment for him. I think that's, you know, I think hopefully we're doing a good job on this show of talking about the other parts of mm. professional golf and, you know, having guys like Brian McPherson on and, and, and to have those really honest conversations because there is a career like any other career, right? You're, there's so many jobs in TV, for example, there's the people that are on the screen, there's mm. people that are director-producer, but there's so many other people that are incredibly good at their craft 
that you don't see that's, that forge a career out of their own performance. And, and you know, I, I use TV as a loose example. It was the first that sprung to mind, <laughs> looking at your face. And but, wondering uh, how that one gets on. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. you know, yeah, I'm not touching that one. Uh, on. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I just think, like, the career isn't always the top 10. The career yeah, right. are the, is the 10 to 40th and... And you can make good money, and you can feed your family, and you on can pay a tour like on a tour like the Corn Ferry tour. I mean, it's certainly harder yeah, on certain tours, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and and that's the downside of the smaller tours is that you kind of do need to live in the top thirty, yeah, uh, to to make a decent living. Okay. But comparatively to to other parts of the world, yeah, you can still yeah, sure. keep yourself afloat. So Ryan Ruffles shot seventy two seventy even par and missed the cut by six. There you go. <laughs> But uh, to answer your question, Brett Druitt is now back up to number 20 okay. in the race for the top 25 yep. who get okay. their cards. Uh, and Jamie Arnold is 97th, Endicott 81st, Ruffles 74th among the players. Where's Coletta? Is, can you find no, Coletta on, on that? Is on he on that list? But okay, right. Do you give me some No, nah, sorry, mate. <laughs> no, no, no. Because it feels like he's playing good enough to be with an, the northern facing arrow alongside his name at the moment. So the last time I checked, he was like 60th. Okay, yeah, yeah, So yeah, he, yeah. he is playing better than his numbers suggest, but that just comes from the win because it's so yeah. heavily skewed to the winners. Yep, yeah, sure is. Uh, over in Spain on the European Tour, Mav Ancliffe, uh, the best of the Aussies, T21, uh, Garrick Higo. So good weekend for the Aussies and the South Africans around the world this weekend with Garrick Higo winning by three over there. Um, we've got a few other little bits and pieces to get to on the way through, but Wayne Persky's about to join us. Any other first seg type stuff you want to bring to the table? Uh, maybe I'll touch base on, uh, oh no, just finish with Challenge Tour there. Dean yeah. Lawson finished fifth on the, I think in Liverpool maybe. So that was that was a good effort on the uh, on the Challenge Tour. So yeah. he's better, to, better effort than their football team. Uh, yeah, no, they're pathetic. And well, I wouldn't say pathetic, but. No, no, ever since, you, ever since you declared them unassailable for the, Championship last year when they won it, yeah. But you single handedly prompted COVID nineteen around the I world because yeah. you said nothing could stop them, and we had a plague. <laughs> that's true. Um, <laughs> you haven't let me forget that. So no, yeah, I think yeah. that's quite funny. And uh, Julian Sue was the player on the of the of the Aussies to make the cut on the Symmetra Tour, but finished well down the list, um, tied sixtieth. Right, let's get to a break. Wayne Persky uh, has got a story uh, in golf that uh, people need to hear. Well, might be interested in hearing whether you need to hear it or not. It's another matter. <laughs> Hopefully you'll enjoy hearing it. Uh, he's going to join us on the other side of the break. With Australian Golf Media, you're back inside the road. Welcome back to the show. Um, every now and again on news weeks when there's just a little less going on, we, we've pledged to one another here, Hazy and Al, to just spend some time with people in golf and get to know their stories a bit better. And well, so many people in this game of so many different backgrounds and we're just going to do little feature interviews from time to time, Hazy. I like, I like it. I know it's your show, but I just sort of put, put my foot down a little bit here and thought, let's do a little bit of this sort of stuff. <laughs> Get to know the people that make the game, mm-hmm. what it is. And people who love the game of golf. I don't know how many people. In fact, our next guest might know the answer to that. But last year when we were shut down, there was no tournament golf being played. There was a live Adam Scott feed of a round of golf that he played with his old mate, Wayne Persky, at Maloney Public Golf Club. I think it's a public golf club. They've probably got some members up there as well. But um, it was – I don't know how many people watched it, but we're all so starved of comp- any sort of semblance of com- competitive sport and golf. I know I tuned in, and once I started watching, I couldn't stop. It was absolutely fantastic. We know enough about Adam Scott, um, but we need to know more about Wayne Persky. The pro up there at Maloney Golf Club has been good enough to join us. Wayne, thanks for your time, mate. 
Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. How many people did tune in? What sort of, I don't know whether you've got an exact number, but um, the feedback from that, um, that experiment with you and Adam Scott, uh, what, what sort of feedback did you get? Yeah, look, at you know, all up, I think at the moment it's about 11 million people have tuned in to watch it. So it's, um, it's been amazing for Mulaney Golf Club and for myself. You know, we're up here in the, uh, in the Sunshine Coast hinterland and we've got pretty much the newest 18-hole golf course in Australia. So we only became 18 holes, you know, less than 12 months ago and, um, and coronavirus and all that sort of stuff happened in the meantime and... Um, yeah, look, we're trying to get this this little golf course that we play at. It's, it's a beautiful little place. The the philosophies that we have up here are really on point with um, the way golf is headed at the moment. And um, and Adam came up and had a little game with me and and saw what we're doing and loved it. And um, we sort of formalised this this plan to go out and do something um, for him too because you know he obviously wasn't. Um, you know, in front of everybody at the time, not playing golf and, and doing anything. So to look after his fans and sponsors, we decided to do a little, um, you know, Instagram live, which, uh, you know, it, because there was nothing on at that time and it was, you know, the world was starved of sport. So some sort of live sport was fantastic. And it's just, you know, shone a, a bright light on our little golf club, which has been awesome. Wayne, how did, it, how did that all come about? In terms of getting that going from from Adam Scott's perspective, did you did you give him a buzz? Like, was it that easy? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, lucky enough, he he only lives like at that stage. The the, the restrictions were so much that um, you could only travel fifty k's. And luckily for Adam, he lives only just down here at Noosa, so um, about forty k's away from Mulaney Golf Club. And um, you know, I just got him to come up and have a game and a bit of a practice, and he loved it. And um, he sort of thought that, that it might be a good idea to do something, and but never really thought that it would end up being as big as it was. And um, it's just been amazing for Mulaney Golf Club. Everyone that comes up says, we saw you on Instagram or we saw you in the media. So, yeah, it's been been great for us. And it's it exactly shown the light on, on Mulaney Golf Club and our junior programs and things like that. So Adam got what he wanted out of it as well. How long have you guys known each other? I think um, since Adam was about 13. So I think I'm a couple of years older than Adam, um, but sort of competed at the same level because he was was so much better than everybody else at a younger age. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, we competed a few times. We even travelled a little bit together um, as amateurs over to America and did a few things. So, you know, he's um, what you see is what you get with Adam. He's he's a really nice fella. And and while we were, you know, in a – pretty tough times in the middle of that COVID stuff with huge restrictions. Adam was around here and helping not only Maloney Golf Club, but quite a few other little golf courses around the Sunshine Coast area as well. So you tapping into this, there's a boom up in Queensland. I mean, junior golf in Queensland is kind of, it's a bit ridiculous when a Victorian goes up there and if you've got to drive, you know, say 50 Ks in Queensland, I don't know how many sort of golf ranges, golf courses, golf lesson banners. It's, it's actually, it's, it's, it's incredible how um, vibrant um, the golf industry feels in Queensland. Have you have you tapped into that, even in your little beautiful little town that you're part of, Wayne? Can you do you get a sense for all of that in Maloney? Yeah, definitely. Because you know, golf is it was probably the it's benefited more than anything else, any other sport during COVID. It's done actually really well, and um, unfortunately we're spoiled with choice here up in Queensland. There's so many golf courses and so many places that you can play that 
getting people to drive half an hour from the coast to come up to Mullaney is, is a little bit hard. You know, they can go five minutes and play somewhere. So putting something different on the table and, and showing them that, you know, we're a pretty cool little golf course. We're mostly maintained by volunteers, built and maintained by volunteers. It's a cool little philosophy where we only build tees and greens, anything in between. It's just the lay of the land, really good design and um, you know, trying to be a bit innovative and ahead of everybody else in terms of equality and things like that. So making sure that you know we're right on point to, to get everyone involved. How have you ended up there? Your story in golf is um, is a you know pretty un- well, it's sort of pretty. It is a relatively unique one in a lot of respects. You know, highly touted pro. You win your first pro event, uh, gee, 15, 16 years ago. Now everybody's yep. a lot of people in the golf caper in Australia are talking about Wayne Persky as being a comer. You're over in Japan. How did you end up at Mullaney? Yeah, well. You know, my my career was, you know, lots of highs and lows, and I, I played some pretty good golf at times. And But unfortunately, you know, I, I had a few hiccups along the way, and I've got a pretty bad back. So, um, you know, my playing days are a long way behind me, and um, I really didn't know what I was going to do. You know, it's, it's, it's what I've done since I was, you know, 10 years old. So when I finished up playing in about 2014, 2015, I really didn't have any clue what to do and because I only know golf I decided to do the the PGA bridging program which was you know tough but but awesome um kept me in the business and I completed that and then um promptly traveled around Australia for 12 months with my family and uh it, although that was beautiful um we had to get back to reality at some stage and this job at Mulaney came up and I thought it su- suited me perfectly so you know getting in at the very start and while we were still constructing golf course and and doing stuff like that, it was pretty awesome to get in so early and see it evolve and um, get to the point now where we've got about 350 members at Mullaney Golf Club, but we're getting plenty of visitors to come up and have a look. So it really is a destination course. So to get back in, was it hard to get back in? People, some people listening will know the story of you know what happened to you in 2010, the positive drug test, the... Uh, off the tour, time in prison. That was 11 years ago now. To get yep. back in, th- that's with you forever, that stuff. That, that never goes away once, you know, once that's happened to you. Was that, was that an easy um, part of your past to move through? Not at all. It was, it was really hard, actually. Um, it's hard to go from such, you know, such heights, you know, playing and winning in, in Japan and, to you know, spending time in a in a prison cell was you know pretty much the 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 ultimate highs and the ultimate lows. So coming back from that was hard. You know, I was embarrassed, and I'm sure that um, I embarrassed my family and my friends. And so it's not really. I didn't want that to define me. I didn't want that to be the end of it. So yeah. I I worked really really hard to you know try to get my reputation back so that. Um, you know, my kids wouldn't look back and see that as being the last of my golf stuff. Um, and, you know, I, I think about that all the time when I'm putting in, you know, to to develop the game and get back to the game that's been so good to me. And, and um, you know, if I could go back and, and change what happened, I absolutely would. But, um, you know, a lot of things led to that. And there was, you know, some things going on in the background that I found pretty hard. And, you know, unfortunately it went that way. But... Um, it's all turned out for the for the best at the moment. 
Wayne, there was a, another little chapter of your story, I guess, that thankfully was a good one. Um, back in, it was 2014, wasn't it, where you, you very nearly boarded a flight in uh, yeah. that that never made it on the other end. Can you tell us? Can you tell us that part of uh, that chapter of your story? Yeah, that's another one of those you know chapters in the book that I should probably write at some stage. It's, yeah. Um, I was over in China and I was sort of trying to make a little bit of a comeback to play some golf and um, I wasn't quite the same as I was before I sort of, before my trouble got in Japan. So I worked pretty hard, but I just wasn't the same. And anyway, I was over trying to qualify to play in, um, in China and I got actually, it was actually the, the One Asia Tour that um, yep, yep, there yep. was, there, yeah, there was a pre-qualifying for the One Asia Tour in, in Kuala Lumpur and I got horrendously food poisoned. So most people who travel um, for golf at some stage are going to get some sort of food poisoning. And, um, yeah, unfortunately for me, this was my time. And I was terribly sick and, and couldn't compete in the um, in the tournament. Um, so I was also going to play in China the following week. So I tried to change my flight so I could get to China a little bit early. Um, I was still <laughs> quite sick. I actually spent some time in hospital. And uh, I changed my flight to the flight that's now called MH370, which oh, um, <laughs> which we all know has never landed or, or landed heavily. So, um, yeah, it was a tough time for me because I, I, I it was one of those sliding door moments. I, I chose to come home and, and get better and try to feed myself. And unfortunately, uh, that plane never landed. So at the very last minute, I changed my changed my flights and, and didn't get onto that one, thank goodness. That is a truly extraordinary. I didn't know about that. I had no idea about that. So that's um yeah. so when you when you wrap all you know those things up and the other things that you know um that you know maybe the rest of us don't when you parcel all of that up and you and you go, well I didn't want that to define me and you look at what yep. you're doing now and you're part of you know something you're clearly proud of um which is you know which is fantastic. Um, how, um, proud's maybe not the right word, but, but come up with a better word if, if there is a, a, a more appropriate word, but where you find yourself now, the fact that you've got through all of that and, and there'll be people listening who might be on a bit of a journey like that themselves, I reckon. Um, how do you feel about what you've been through and where you are? Yeah, look, I, I think if I can sort of help out some young players and, and young elite players not to to put up or not to have to go through some of the things that I went through with my career. Um, what a lot of people don't realise, they see the glamour side of of golf and it's, you know, it's private jets and limousines and stuff like that. But the reality for most people is that it's nothing like that. It's, um, it's planes, trains and automobiles. It's a lot of time in airports. It's a lot of time on your own in hotel rooms and, and huge amounts of pressure to perform. It's really, um, you know, it can be quite mentally draining. And if you're not prepared for the, that sort of stuff, um, you know, you can make some mistakes pretty quickly. So being aware of, of those pitfalls and making sure that you're not hanging around the wrong people and, and making sure that everybody on your team is there to, to help you can certainly make a big difference and I'm pretty proud of the way that I've come back from you know the ultimate low which is you know sitting in a prison cell waiting for 
someone else to decide my fate was pretty scary and life-changing. So every uh, every day that I spend now making, you know, trying to promote the game and make sure that um, the kids get involved and, and this golf club up here is, is certainly awesome. So, yeah, I'm really, I'm really proud that I've got the opportunity to do that up here. Good yeah. Are you happy to take calls from people who might find themselves in similarly troubling circumstances, Wayne? If people reach out to you, is that something that uh, warms your heart or, or makes you a bit cool and reluctant? Look, absolutely. I'd be more than happy to help any young player, male or female. You know, with um, I've certainly experienced the um, the ultimate highs and the worst of lows, so pretty sure I can give some advice on um, on those sort of things. I really enjoy that part of um, of coaching as well as not just the the technical part, making sure people hit good shots, but also making sure that they're prepared for what they might face when they're out there in the real world. That's good on you. Just one last one from me, and I wonder whether you've got some clarity on this, but winning your first tournament as a pro, is that is that necessarily a good thing? Yeah, look, it's, um, it was a funny story, and, and I'll say it very quickly. I, I, um, I came back from America, actually, with Adam, and we we both decided to turn pro and at that stage, if you were playing in the Australian team, they pretty much gave you a card that you could, um, could then go on and play. And we were talking late nineties, early two thousand. So if they figured if you were good enough to play for Australia, you're probably good enough to, um, to compete on the tour. So most guys just sort of got a card and then if they played well enough, they could keep going. Well, the year that I decided to turn pro was the year that they stopped that. So I came home from, the States thinking that I would just slot into the Australian tour, but that wasn't the case. So they gave me a couple of starts as an amateur, just as, you know, for a bit of experience. And um, I rocked down to this event, which was on what they called the development tour back then. They had a sort of a secondary tour before the Australian tour. And I was preparing to play that event, but because I had already entered for the second stage of Australian Q school, it basically took my amateur status away. So Trevor Hurden, who was then the tournament director, came up to me and, you know, only about five or ten minutes before the tea time and said, um, mate, you can't play this event as an amateur. And I was thinking, oh, dear, I've driven all this way down from Brisbane to Tamworth to play this event. They're going to tell me I've got to go home. He said, if you give me 50 bucks, um, <laughs> you can become a temporary member and, um, and away you go. So I had to look to my caddy Hilarious. and said, have you got 50 bucks? So... <laughs> I borrowed 50 bucks off him and, and gave it to Trevor Hearn. And then, you know, four rounds later, I 22 under par and had won the event. And, of course, when, when you do that, you become exempt. And the rest is history. But, you know, it probably, to answer your question, um, it gave me the confidence that I needed to know that I could compete at that level. Um, but also probably made me a little bit complacent too. Mm. So... You know, looking back at my younger self, I'd probably kick myself in the pants and say, that's just the start of the hard work and you need to work a, a little bit harder. But it um, it took me a couple of years after that win to establish myself overseas and get that experience and then uh, and then the rest is history. I've, I've heard Trevor talking about the beautiful porterhouses in northern New South Wales. I didn't realise that it was your shout, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's funny because on the way home, like I, I was driving my girlfriend's little Toyota Starlet, and 
you know, I'm driving home literally with the massive check in the back seat and <laughs> trying to get us home, <laughs> trying to get us home as fast as I could and got pulled over by the, by the police. And of course the policeman comes up beside the car, looks in the back seat and, and sees this massive check for $20,000. And I said, Oh mate, I've just won the event. You know, I'm trying to get home. We guess you can afford the fine. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, very good. Of course, of course I, he did. Yeah. I've got to ask you one question about Mulaney before we let you go. Um, made the news again recently, Wayne, with the gender-neutral tease uh, causing yeah. causing quite a stir. To me, it's a no-brainer. I mean, I, it's it's an absolute no-brainer. I'm wondering what the feedback has been from your side. Yeah, look, any anybody that read the actual story, I mean, obviously, whenever you say gender-neutral, it, it triggers a certain type of people um, yes, yes, to get on there and, and, and sort of write some stuff, you know, but basically all it means is we're just taking away the red, white and blue tees that signify men's and, and ladies and letting anybody choose what, what tees they like to go off. So, you know, we've got a, a, quite a few elderly members here who, who want to tee off the front tees because it's a bit easier for them to get around. And while they're red and called ladies, they don't really want to do it. So we're taking those stigmas away and just place the the farm, the Obi and the mountain tees out there and players can choose what ones they tee off and, and you know, when they understand that the feedback's been great. But um yeah, just some carefully worded terms in the promotion sort of got some traction. So <laughs> it makes any total... publicity's good yeah. publicity. You know what, Wayne, I wish I wish I'd had it growing up, I have to say, yeah. in the sand belt. It's yeah. I was I was trapped at the red tees, even for tournaments yeah. and that kind of thing. And then yeah. when I turned pro, it was such a massive jump because all of a sudden I was playing courses that were three, four, five hundred metres longer and I was ill-equipped. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. it's yeah. it's positive at least for, for the next generation of, uh, of young female golfers coming through. That's well, it. It's positive. Yeah, my wife, you know, my wife was an elite player when she was young and, and she wanted to play from the white tees to challenge herself and be more prepared for what happens when she was to take it a step further. But, she wasn't allowed, and you know I just think that's wrong. I think um, yeah, we should be able to tee off wherever we like. Po- agreed, and positive not only for young rising women, but for old blokes. Of as course, well, it is who, who want to sneak yeah. forward and actually get some value out of their game and make an odd birdie. Spot on. Yeah, yeah. Spot on. You know, yeah, they might whack it on a par three and one, and a couple of par fours and two, and that's what keeps them in the game, which is. Exactly what we're after. Stigma free. It's magnificent. <laughs> um, hey, Wayne, we were about to speak to people, um, uh, the GM down at Nambucca Heads Island Golf Club. They've had their travails in the last four or five years on the other side of the break. But, and I'm sure we're going to be encouraging people to go and have a game if they can or driving through whenever they might be at Nambucca. I'll do exactly the same thing. Um, to people who, you know, there's a million holiday makers a year, Nick up to Noosa from down south. If you're taking your golf clubs, do yourself a favour. If you've never driven into the hinterland, you've, you're not doing yourself a favour. And while you do it, go and have a game of golf at Maloney. What a great idea that would be to spend half a day doing yeah, something Yeah, and if like you that. don't believe us, just go online and read, read all the reviews. Tons beautiful. of five yeah, stars yeah. next to it. No doubt about it. Mate, um, thanks for telling us a bit about your story and keep up the good work up there at Maloney Golf Club. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much, guys. Really enjoy the show. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you at Maloney Golf Club. Yeah, Have a bloody, good day. Bloody oath you will. Thanks, Wayne, Wayne Persky, the pro, and a whole lot more by the sounds of things up there at Maloney Golf Club. Um, it's a good story. It's a good story. It's, you it's know, a make, story. It, make a shocking blue, end up in jail. You know, it's all, it's all going south. You know, the bright star has faded and... 
Uh, and it could be the end of the road. I mean, who knows what, what where that could take you, but, you know, you you fight your way through it. You put other people's prejudice, you work through other people's prejudices on the way through and you end up in a really good space. And it's, I just reckon it's a great story and good luck to him. Yeah. All the best. And any more stories, if, if you know of people like this in golf, we want to hear about yeah, it body as well. Yeah. Love talking to Wayne. Yep. Uh, a break here on Inside the Ropes. Uh, we're going to head to Nambucca Heads Island Golf Club after this. With Australian Golf Media, you're back inside the ropes. Welcome back to the show. Um, every now and again, Mark Hayes, who is as intrepid a story finder as anybody, bowls something up and says, this is a good yarn, and we're going to talk about it this week. And you send me a little bit of information about what's been going on at the Nambucca. Well, I don't even know what it is. I want to just call it the Nambucca Heads Golf Club, but I think it's got there's an island in there island, somewhere. Island Golf Club. This The fact that this golf club, A, is still in existence is... Uh, is remarkable, absolutely on, remarkable. On so many levels, Andy, because uh, as we're about to find out, it's not just the immediate rain, which we're about to talk mm-hmm. about and what prompted this story, but there's the, the the virus, there's the fires, a couple of floods, and a really almost devastating financial crisis e- as well. Econ- yeah, economics. Well, Jonathan Zirkler is the general manager of Nambucca Heads Island Golf Club, uh, which is about half an hour south of Coffs and about an hour north of Port Macquarie for you, Al. That's where we're talking about. <laughs> Good. They call it the mid-north New South Wales coast. Okay. I reckon. Helpful. Beautiful part of the world. It now. You should do a road trip. I should. You should definitely do a road and trip. After, and after reading about this story, I kind of want to. You I want to meet it. these people. Jonathan Zirkler joins us. Hello, mate. Thanks for joining us on the show. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me on. Beautiful part of the world. Are you a local? Just before we, I want to check your bona fides here. Are you a local? Yeah, did grow up in the area, moved away, but decided to come back to the best part of Australia. When did you come back? Uh, November 2019. And is that when you, did you come back to start running the golf club? Yeah, yeah. I'd, um, I'd been running as general manager up at Swamba Golf Club and uh, my family is still down in the area and it was a good chance to return home. All right. Where do, where do we want to start then? In terms of the trials and tribulations of your golf club, um, maybe before you arrive, since you've arrived, and subsequent to your return, where where do we want to? Let's go back to let's go back to the economic challenges before we get to um, the acts of God that have, uh, if you like, uh, that have struck uh, your part of the world. H- how challenging is the um, economic survival of your golf club been in the recent past? Uh, to put it simply, I think it was late 2016. The the club had a uh, their AGM and basically told all members we've got about three months to raise over a hundred thousand dollars otherwise the doors are going to shut um, through a couple of initiatives uh, selling some long-term memberships getting on side with some of the uh, the suppliers and also some uh, kindly donations from unnamed sources the, the club was able to keep itself open some hard work from the, the the board at the time also cut expenditure right back to where it was a lot of volunteers involved in the place. I think they might have had six full-time staff at most back then. And since then, uh, they've slowly got back on their feet to the stage where they decided to look at employing another manager. Um, that was myself. And from there, we've sort of uh, we've kept surviving and we're looking upwards. So that's, that's incredible. Are you through... The worst of it now, Jonathan. Can is it blue skies ahead, or is it is it one of those challenges? Just you know, annually to keep the doors open. 
Oh, we were looking quite positive. Like the the 2019 financial year, just before I got there, the, the club had posted a uh, a small profit um, around that 70 grand mark, which for most golf clubs is quite nice nowadays. Yeah. Um, we then had uh, the bushfire season late 2019, about the week after I got here, and uh, while it it did put a small dent in things and made everything a little bit smoky, we were fortunate to have a really good summer after that. Then we had a, another minor flood in February last year, and then COVID hit us. And um, like most golf courses, we were fortunate enough to uh, take advantage of the scenario and have a, a lot of new members join. And then we had the the non-COVID period where we were able to get people back in the clubhouse again, and, and things kept going stronger there. Then we had uh, two floods, one December and one in March this year. God. So yeah. we're we're going all right. Things are looking up, and uh, we're still getting people around, so that's the key. So I guess it's that water, Jonathan, that brought me to your story. Uh, you can fill us in on the first flood in December, um, but honestly, some biblical rain oh, in, in March. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I would love you to regale our listeners with a few of the statistics of what your club's dealt with. Yeah, well, back in December, we sort of had a uh, a bit of a wettish month. It was nothing exceptional. Then all of a sudden, in the space of two days, we had close to 500 mil. Um, to access the island, you actually have to go over a causeway, and the causeway went under one morning, and then shortly after that, the, uh, the golf course itself went under. Um, and it was a different flood to previous floods the clubs had. This one actually came up through the drainage system rather than over the side of the river. Um, it was short-lived. We were able to get back on the golf course within uh, a week and uh, carts were back on the golf course shortly after that, sure. whereas this time around we had uh, basically it was almost a 1,000 mil in five days. And we evacuated the, the golf clubhouse on the Thursday. Um, I was actually going to pick my kids up because the rain was that torrential from school and when I came back, the causeway was starting to go and we, we just cleared the dining area, cleaned all the staff out and we went back across. We were gone for the better part of three days when the greenkeeper and myself snuck across the causeway to, to go and have a, a little look at what was going on and see if there was any damage and how much damage there was. Um, at that stage, we, there was substantial silt on the golf course, um, but the worst was yet to come when we got back across Sunday afternoon. We had another 260 mil and the golf course went <laughs> wow. back under again. So you're talking so on one the, point... One one point two meters of rain. That's exactly right. I've been sitting here trying to do the math yeah, yeah, yeah. from <laughs> centimeters to millimeters. I'm like, this can't be right. I'm not getting this correct. And and that's on top of the the high water table from December, yeah. Ellie. So wow. you, you got to try and picture that, Andy. Especially, the, the, especially yeah, for those incredible. of us who live in the south here, who couldn't comprehend what a meter of rain looks like. No, no. To have it in a in a week and then have another couple of hundred mils. I mean, seriously, it's 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 hard to comprehend. So, what did the place look like, uh, Jonathan, after that subsided and the water dropped? What 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 was left after that? Well, for, fortunately, we only had silt silt damage on about six or seven holes. But where the silt was, there's a, a picture on our Facebook page of the Greenkeeper's uh, gum boot, and it's knee high, and the silt came to about two two centimeters under the top of his gum boots. So, about four hundred mil, four hundred and fifty mil of uh, silt was on the 10th hole. <laughs> I had a look at those pictures online and I have to say it is it is shocking. Like it, you can't even picture something growing no. there ever again. No. So how do you get rid of what what do you do? Do you 
Yeah, there's a lot of questions you don't even know oh, yeah. how to no, ask. No, no. Yeah, how do you get machinery onto the course, given it's so wet? How do you get machinery onto the course to get rid of that stuff, Jonathan? What's what's the first thing that the the greens keeping staff had to do? Well, fortunately, they were able to get through some of the the golf course. Almost all of it was by foot. Um, we had a, a local civil engineering company, and I'm very happy to give him a gratuitous plug. Yeah. Brad Fortescue donated three and a half days of using a posi track, which is a, a small bulldozer that actually clear the mud off the fairways. Um, the greenkeeper, Greg, then started using a tractor, which he designed to be able to push further mud. Um, they couldn't actually use any other vehicles on the golf course for two weeks because every time they went out with one of their, their gators or one of the mowers, it just sunk. Yep, yep. Um, Coss Harbour Golf Club nearby donated some guys down here um, to give us a hand clearing mud and sealed out of the bunkers. Uh, the important thing was getting the silt off the greens as fast as we could. Um, we've ended up losing probably three greens. Um, we've seeded them now, so they should come back online. And uh, Greg was hand mowing the greens with uh, the old uh, rotary mower for about oh. three weeks before we were able to get any other bigger machinery on the place. That's what you want to do in 2021, Andy. Uh, exactly. And rotary mower golf and, course. And it sounds like the, the golf club was still there um, because of the, you know, kind of um, belief in it and need for it from um, local members. Jonathan, was there, were you just inundated? I mean, obviously the people who live in that area had so many other things that to deal with themselves, probably in their own homes, but were you inundated with members volunteering their services to help out? Yeah, sort of. We've got a very strong membership core. That uh, given what had happened previously, they they raised their hand pretty quickly to get back out in the golf course. And those that couldn't, um, they came along to the restaurant just to sort of support us as far as getting some revenue going back through the place again. So the locals are fantastic. Um, we've had people come and play the course, which uh, they might necessarily come if this hadn't happened. And again, those little things they allow you to spend the money where you need to spend it. So hopefully this week we're actually starting to look at getting some bunkers back into play. So there's here's a shout-out for us, Al. Anybody who's listening, and we go right around Australia inside the ropes, anybody who's within 100 kilometres of the golf club, um, if you've got time and an inclination for a bit of a road trip, you could do a lot worse than – what's a green fee up there, Jonathan, for a visitor? What, what are we, 30 35 bucks? What are we looking at to go and play a game uh, of golf? At the moment, we're looking after everyone, 22. Perfect. Well, 22. There you go. Go and awesome. spend 22 bucks for a game of golf. Nick, inside, what's the, be- what's, what's the Zirkla favourite out of the kitchen? What's the best meal that the, the kitchen staff do? Oh, you can't go wrong with the steak sandwich. And mate, what does that go for, about 15 bucks? 15 bucks. There you go. 40 bucks, and have a pot. 42 bucks. Well, what do they call them? Colin Pot's up in there. Back schooners. The schooners. Have a schooner of Victorian beer uh, up there <laughs> if you can find one. <laughs> Forty-two, forty-three bucks. Uh, if you got uh, twenty groups of four people turning up to do that in the next couple of weeks, that that'd, that'd help out, wouldn't it? That'd be fantastic. There you go. Yeah, even if you're just passing through as well, stop for a bite, yeah. things like that. Just knowing it's on the map and uh, and that the support would be appreciated. Yeah. Number one. Just check out. Yeah, I right. urge to everyone, Jonathan. You, I'm sure you don't mind people going to your Facebook page. Um, just go and have a look at these photos, and they are incredible. When you think about, you know, spent dropping your 45 bucks there, uh, you know, have a look at them on the Nambucca Heads Island Golf Club Facebook page. Mm. It's extraordinary. I can't believe you've even got a landline that we can talk to you on here, Jonathan. I'd, I'd blow me away. What was the thing that was there? A big ship or something that wrecked on your bridge? 
or some sort of vessel? Uh, there was a, an oyster lease, yeah. Um, we've got a couple of those guys that come along and uh, have a couple of drinks in the afternoon. They've only just started being able to move all the leases back into place. I thought wow. that was a dam. <laughs> When I looked online, I didn't realise that it was something that had been wrecked. Jonathan, I have, I have a question about when things like this happen, What's the? how do you go about working out how to get the golf club back on track? You know, do, do you tap into the collective knowledge of, of other superintendents as well? Like, because these things are so rare that all of a sudden you've got six holes full of mud mm. and you're going, what do we do? Like how much of it is trial and error and, and how many people did you kind of lean on and your, your staff lean on to, to get the club through it? Uh, to put it simply, um, Greg, our groundkeeper, he's been around the traps for a little while and has quite an extensive array of people that he can rely on for a bit of support. Um, he he put out a lot of feelers because, again, we weren't able to actually get onto the island for six or seven days. So he was already starting to make some phone calls to some of his uh, mates in the industry and uh, was able to tap into uh, a bit of knowledge. But everyone he talked to, no one had ever dealt with the extent of the actual size of the, the silt that was on the, mm. the golf course. A lot of it is just trial and error. It's sort of moving the mud off there was the first thing that we had to do. Then after that, it was try and work out how you can get transport around the, the island. And again, it's piece by piece. Like at the moment, we've got five and a half kilometres worth of uh, cart pass. If it rains, we can't get the carts out again. <laughs> wow. So it was sort of working what you can work on and just bite off little bits at a time. Well, mate, good luck. It sounds like you've been through more than your fair share in the last six or seven years as a golf club. Um, let's hope that that, is in your past and for the next 20 or 30 years, there's nothing but plain sailing in front of you, mate. Thanks for telling your, your story on behalf of everybody who's listening. Um, a heartfelt congratulations to everybody who's helped um, back in 2016 economically to get it to where you were when you arrived and everybody who's helped um, keep the place sort of ticking over through the challenges you've had with fires, COVID and floods thereafter. Uh, they're all local heroes, mate. So thanks for joining us on the show and telling us a bit about it. No problems at all. Thanks for giving me the invite. Good on you, mate. Jonathan Zirkler, General Manager, Nambucca Heads Island Golf Club. That's tough. <laughs> eh? And they, I couldn't believe it. When you sent those photos, like like you, Ellie, it is, you just, you have, you have to do a double take to um, get a sense of the amount of water that is, there's basically this 18 rivers flowing through a couple of lines of trees, pretty much. Like, it's extraordinary. I think the aerial photos made it hit home for me, where you see, you know, not, the, just the roof, you see a bit more, but the clubhouse and maybe two greens. Mm. That's all you can see of a, mm. you know, however many hectare property it is. It's unbelievable. I, I, it, those numbers just don't process until you're actually living it, I wouldn't imagine. No, and you, and you have to see it. Like these are, you know, you think about the pictures of floods where you see a house floating by. It could mm. have been by... You know, the ninth green down there. Yeah, could have yeah. been. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Unbelievable. Uh, break here on Inside the Ropes. A few other bits and pieces to get to on the other side of this. We'll do that uh, when we return. With Australian Golf Media, you're back Inside the Ropes. Welcome back to the show. Almost done and dusted. Uh, Adam Scott just repeating that news. Non-starter for the Olympics. That was declared in the lag between this show and the last one. Uh, so Smith and Leash. Uh, now, one and two with Jones Day and Herbert. I believe I'm right in saying the next three Australians in the world rankings order. So we'll see how that one plays out. But as we've already discussed a bit earlier, it looks like the top two are very committed to going. Uh, any other bits and pieces before we get out of here? I've got one random story that happened to me 
on the <laughs> this past week that I, I and I kind of want to throw it out there because I would love to hear more of them. So I've walked into I'm down at the concourse in Beaumaris, right? And I I walk in. I'm do- running some errands for my family that live down there. And, you know, going and getting all of the stuff for after school for the kids and et cetera, et cetera. So I walk in and one of the guys that was serving, I said, how are you doing? I said, it's nearly the weekend. So it must've been Friday. It's nearly the weekend. Okay, great. I said, what do you, what do you have on? What are you looking forward to? He goes, oh, I get to play golf tomorrow. I said, oh, you're a golfer. And he goes, yeah. And I said, oh, I I am too. I said, where where are you playing? And he goes, I'm playing out at, at Brighton Golf Club. And so... I didn't really think any, you know, I thought this was going to be a really just, you know, yeah. normal conversation. Yeah. Um, and he starts telling me this story and it's kind of like an urban legend, I think. And I want to know desperately if it's true. So he starts telling me about this guy that's, I don't know if he's a member or, he, or if he lives alongside Brighton Golf Club, mm-hmm. you know, public golf course too, uh, who over the years has found golf balls. That's his thing. And he's catalogued them. So every single golf ball he found, he's, I think he's, my understanding is he's written the date, the, the brand, the number for every single golf ball that he's found on this golf course. Right. Which in and of itself is kind of random, (laughs) (laughs) which is great. Not not a lot of people doing that. No, No, they're not. And it's, it's quite the Excel spreadsheet. I'm not sure if he did it, you know, online or anything, (laughs) but so all of that's kind of, you know, neither here nor there. But then his house burns down and he got paid out the insurance because he'd catalogued all of these golf oh. balls over the years. He got paid out for the loss an exorbitant amount of money. For the balls. For the ball collection. Now, this is a baker's delight story, okay? So I, I haven't fact-checked it, but I want to know if it's true. So when... Oh, you, can we not call the ombudsman, the insurance ombudsman, <laughs> yeah, about this when, at any stage? When you say exorbitant, <laughs> I want to know how I mean, exorbitant. Well, this is the thing, though, because are you talking about what condition these golf balls are in, or is it Just replacing the, old for that's new? That's right. Well, which which often do you know how many balls we're talking like, about here? I don't. Right. I don't. I, this so, is this is the story right that I, as I know it. So you, are you? We need more. We need I, this. We need, we need more, flesh, we need we more out, information right. about Anybody it. Anybody knows about and the I, collector? And I felt like I could have gone like, and I can see that people are probably wishing that I had just gone straight to Brighton Golf Club and fact checked. <laughs> no, but no, I no, thought no. this would be more fun. No, it's a great challenge for our Let's audience. Reach had, out. Had, yeah. you, had you had a couple of. Pinfolds? No. Pinfolds. <laughs> if anybody knows about the ball collector of Brighton Golf Club and the burning down of the house and the <laughs> loss of collection yeah. and the, we need to know more. Or another story like it. I just, it really, it really got me going. Yeah. Well, where can we sit? Where do we direct people? You're the master of all this stuff. Uh, where, what's, our, what's our email Socials address? or emails. No, just... Oh. Or contact me via social media. I know you've been up early, but come on. Yeah, no, I think uh, through Twitter at, at indus, inside the underscore Score ropes. Right, yeah. hit us up. If, yeah. you've got, if you know any and more about this. Tag in Ali because she's going to be our chief researcher on this topic. I'm, want, I'm here for it. Yeah. I know you've got a reasonable amount on your plate, and so I've probably just loaded a little bit more on for you, Hazy. Not like you've been working hard this morning at all, but just forward it all to me. Forward it all to me. Anything else? You got any, any little tidbits for us yeah, before we one, go? I wanted to make this sort of special, hence it being away from the other results, but I, I wanted to give a massive shout to Dylan Perry. Uh, I don't think it's a surprise to see that the Australian boys out of hotels in Tokyo after two weeks in quarantine didn't fare the best at the Kansai Open. Uh, in fact, 
seven of them missed the cut. Right, okay, right, yep. Dylan Perry shot 68, 69, 69, 72 and finished t- tied 16. And it, which good, I reckon, that's a great effort. I reckon yeah. that's, it's, you know, it's, it's a good effort. Anyhow, on that tour, really tough tour, but uh, straight out of quarantine, awesome. Yep. Frank D's good form at the New South Wales Open, where he was really impressive for, for a long time. And I, he's a great bloke, so good shout to him. The rooms good aren't shout. big either, as in a general Japan. rule in Japan. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. you're going to choose a spot to quarantine, that's like, that ain't it. Oof. Uh, and Andy, my last, my last thing, um, other than to talk to Ali about wineries and things, that, but I'm not going to. Yeah, <laughs> I think, I think well, I've gone down the pinfold line one too many times. Oh gosh. Is to say uh, that we're right at the end, and it may even be the end of um, my golf girls month, depending yes. on when you're listening to this. Uh, look, it's been a great success. There's been some great stories, and Blakey is in the process of teeing up a ripping chat with, with for the podcast coming up, and it's a great story uh, online too, so we'll have that. But it's going to be um, a rush to get some stories in, but if you're going to keep doing it, it'd be awesome. Tag, hashtag, my golf girls, um, and we'll try and get them out on social media as we have all month. Good. We've still got a couple of days to go, so do that if you can. Um, lovely to see you. Whittaker. Always a pleasure. Good to see you, Hayes. Thank you, Andrew. That is it. Done and dusted. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. A couple of yarns on the way through today. Thanks for tuning in to Inside the Rose. Back to do it all again next week.